I don't know where you guys get gasoline. I usually get gasoline. So I live by uh, 76 on Sanderson, 76 gas station. And I don't prefer that gas station because I prefer mobile. Why do I prefer mobile? Because it seems like mobile is always cheaper than everybody else, right? Now, there are a few generic gas stations, too, that are cheaper than everybody. But mobile is usually cheaper than 76. But I can tell you every time, almost every time I go to 76, do you know what the words I hear, whether I'm going in or out? Can you spare some change? Can you spare some change? How many? And, and I got to tell you, some people are super creative. I've heard some super creative spare change stories. I've heard I've got to get, you know, on a bus to get back home to San Francisco. I've heard I need to get some gas in my car so I can get back to Riverside. I've heard, can I get some spare change so I can get something to eat? That's probably the most common one. Sad thing is, how many of us have even seen now... There's even some pregnant moms who get out there and ask for spare change. And, and at the end of the day, are, is any one of us in here God? Nope. So we really don't know if they're telling the truth or not, right? Now, we could judge them and say, ah, they're lying. Now, there are some honest ones out there that will say, hey, I need to buy some smokes or I need to buy a beer, right? And so they'll say, can you spare some change? And, and we all wonder when they're asking for spare change, when it's a bus ride to, you know, San Francisco, is it really the bus ride? Is it really the gas? And, and we have to ask ourselves, is it my job to wonder or is it my job to ask God in the moment? God, is there something you want me to do? And it's not, it's not that we don't always have to go right back to money, right? I've got some spare change up here. It's about, it's about a dollar, right? I've got some spare change. And... We could, instead of just opening our wallet, we could pray for a second and say, God, in this moment, what do I have to spare? God, what do I have to give? Or I can just throw it, right? If you have your Bibles, my title this morning, in case you're wondering, is Spare Change, which we'll pick up the spare change afterwards, because we don't want any pennies to go to waste. Genesis chapter 42, starting in verse 6. It says, since Joseph was governor of, of, of all of Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. And when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to them. Where are you from, he demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We've come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Verse 9. And he remembered the dreams that he had about them many years before. And he said to them, you are spies. You've come to see how vulnerable our land has become. No, my Lord, they exclaimed. Your servants have simply come to buy food. We are all brothers, members of the same family. We're honest men. Sir, we are not spies. Yes, you are, Joseph insisted. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. Verse 14. Joseph insisted, as I said, you were spies, and this is how I'm going to test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will never leave Egypt unless your, younger, your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. Then we'll find whether or not your story is true. By the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you don't have a younger brother, then I'll know that you were spies. And Joseph put them all in prison for three days. 
Speaking among themselves, verse 21, they said, clearly we're being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. This is sad. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we didn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, Reuben asked, but you wouldn't listen. And now we have to answer for his blood. Skipping in chapter 43, starting in verse 11. Their father Jacob said to them, if it can't be avoided, then let's at least do this. Pack your bags with the best products of the land. Take down to the man his gifts, balm, honey, gum, aromatic resin, pistachio nuts, and almond. Also take double the money that was put in your sacks. It was probably someone's mistake. Then take your brother and go back to the man. May God Almighty give you mercy as you go before that man so that he will release Simeon and let Benjamin return. But if I must lose my children, so be it. Verse 32, the waiters served Joseph at his own table, and his brothers were served at a separate table. The Egyptians who ate with Joseph sat at their own table, because the Egyptians despised Hebrews and refused to eat with them. Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit. In their amazement, he seated them according to age, from oldest to youngest. And Joseph filled their plates with food from his own table, but he gave Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. So they feasted and they drank freely, freely with Joseph. Verse 16, Judah answered, Oh, my Lord, and we're skipping ahead to chapter 44. What can we say to you? How can we explain this? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins. My Lord, we have all returned to be your slaves. All of us, not just our brother who had his cup, had your cup in his sack. In verse 33, the very last verse we're going to read today. Please, my Lord, let me stay here as I am a slave instead of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. How many of us have ever wanted to pay somebody back? How many of us in, has ever, has anyone ever did you wrong, and you're like, ah, it's time for paybacks. I can't wait. This is so exciting. I can't wait to get them back. Right? Mine starts turning. If you, this story is such a beautiful story. And as we're cruising to the end of Joseph's story and the end of this part, you have to wonder the whole time as you see what they did to this poor lad, is, is what they did to their brother, all the harsh things, all the things that they said, all that they did to him. How many days did he spend wondering Will I pay them back? Will I get the opportunity to pay them back? Well, that day arrived. As they get to the land of Egypt, as they get there, Joseph immediately recognizes them. Now, 21 years have passed. Turn to your neighbor and say, 21 years. 21 years. From the time they threw him in a pit and sold him off as a slave, 21 years. Now, Egyptians... They believe in clean shaving. They believe in being dressed nice, professional. As Joseph was, you know, one of the top men in charge, he looked awesome and amazing, right? He looked good. Now, his brothers, on the other hand, they were what? Shepherds. You know what they had? Long beards. You know what they didn't use? Deodorant. I'm just kidding, I don't know. But they were different, and there was a different culture being represented. You have the shepherds, and you had Egyptians. And so for 21 years to pass, Joseph looks at his brothers, but he immediately, he recognizes them because nothing had changed. Maybe a little gray hair. 
right? And that happens to all of us, except for the ladies. But us men, we get gray hair, right? As he looks at them, nothing had changed. But as they look at him, 21 years older, so now he's 38 years old, they could not see. Hey, there's that scrawny kid that we dumped in the pit. They had no idea. Joseph looks at them, and he starts speaking harshly, it says. And, and so as you're reading this story, and I didn't go through everything that he did to his brothers, he throws them in prison for three days. He has a little fun with them there, right? Let's them chase around the rats for dinner. We don't know. We don't know what he did to them while they were in prison. We don't know if it was a luxurious, you know, condo. We don't know if it was at the top or at the bottom. We have no idea, but he put them in prison for three days. He says, I'm going to test you. I'm going to see if you're spies. I want to see if you're honest men. And so we take a step back this morning and ask the question, was he paying them back for what they did to him? And if you go through the whole story, it is a fun, fun story of going back and forth between him and his brothers as he puts them to the fire over and over and over and over again. And honestly, at the end of the day, you know what he was doing? He wasn't actually paying them back, but he wanted to put them through a series of tests. Turn to your neighbor and say it was a series of tests. And you know why he wanted to test his brothers? He wanted to see what 21 years of living, what did it do to them? Did it change their heart at all? Did it change their attitude? Did it change their thoughts? Joseph in this story, he put through a series of tests on his brothers. We know that Joseph... He had a brother, a full brother, named Benjamin, right? His mom was Rachel. They did not like Joseph, the other brothers, because, unfortunately, dad loved Rachel, and he didn't love the other wives the same. And so he spoiled Joseph. It was his favorite wife, his favorite kid, right? But Joseph wasn't the only kid that came from Rachel. He had a brother named Benjamin. Benjamin didn't throw Joseph in the pit. The other brothers did. And so for Joseph, he wondered, was his younger brother Benjamin, was he being treated the same way that he had been treated? He wondered, his brothers in 21 years, did they become better men? Did they have better character? Did they have a different, a, a, something different inside of them in the way that they live their life and everything that they did? Testing their character. He tested their faithfulness. Tested if they still were hateful men. And he tested their love. 21 years. And in this moment, and I don't know if any of us have ever experienced this, but have you ever had the moment like you see someone, you see something, and you start reliving that moment all over again? It happened for the brothers, and it happened for Joseph. They relive the moment because... You know what happened? What did the brothers say? This man is being mean to us. This man is being so mean. Why? Because of what we did to Joseph. And you know what they admitted verbally? Did you see the anguish on our brother's heart? Did you see the anguish, the tears? He was crying. They're reliving this, and they're speaking these words out loud. And you know what's crazy? The funny thing is, Joseph was using an interpreter, 
But they didn't know that they were, they were speaking and that Joseph heard every single thing that, that he was saying, that the brothers were saying. They're reliving this moment. They're reliving it. And they're saying, man, we saw how desperate he was. He begged. He cried. He was desperate. And you know what? We didn't do anything about it. We purposely hurt our brother. And now we are being paid back. We are being paid back for the wrong that we did. They were reliving this moment. They were reliving that moment 21 years earlier when they dumped their brother in the pit and then when they sold him. Galatians 6, 7 says this, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to satisfy their nature will reap harvest. They will harvest decay and death from that nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. Don't ever get tired of doing what is good. And at the right moment, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Whenever you have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those who come from the family of faith. And so for the brothers here, they know the Bible. They know the principles. And what are, the, what are they stating? Galatians 6, 7. You can't mock the justice of God. What you plant, you will reap. And they're saying to themselves, we are only getting what we deserve. We are only getting what we deserve. You know, for the brothers, we know that they were so blinded, and it's sad because as you heard their words and what they said, we saw our younger brother in so much pain, so much anguish, so desperate, crying, begging, pleading for his life, but they were so blinded. You know what they did? They ignored it all. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, we sometimes purposely hurt people, but sometimes we hurt people without realizing that we hurt people. In this story, we know that the brothers, they purposely hurt their brother. They purposely ignored him and what he cared about. They purposely ignored him. Sometimes in life, we purposely do the same thing. We hurt other people in our lives. But there are times when we hurt people when we don't realize that we're hurting people. Hebrews 3.12 says this, be careful, brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turn away from the, and, and turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. And see, the thing is, sometimes what we don't realize it is, what sometimes we leave open windows in our life and there's a little bit of sin that starts to creep in. And what does the writer of Hebrews say sin does? It hardens our hearts. And when our hearts become hard, you know what happens? It makes us blinded to every moment. And sometimes it makes us blinded so that we're saying things and we're hurting people. And we're speaking things and we're hurting people. We're just living our life. How many people today, you know, um, they want to just live their lives. I need to live my life. I'm going to make the most of my life. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I want to get the most out of life. I want to maximize life. I want to this, 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 and on and on and on and on and go. People today all over the world, songs are being written. It is about my life. It's about me. It's about what I want to do. But sometimes, do you know what, you're, what you don't realize in stating that? You don't realize who you heard in the process. Turn to your neighbor and say, the process. Because if you are only concerned with you, then you're going to hurt those around you. 
It's just a natural occurrence. If all we care about is me, myself, and I, if that's all that I care about is me, if all I care about is my feelings, my emotions, and that I'm happy, then we hurt other people. And at the same time, the sad thing is those who are blind spiritually, they don't see that they hurt other people. They're ignoring it. Why? Because sometimes we open up the windows of our hearts, we open up the windows of our life, and just a little bit of sin, a little bit of rebellion. Sometimes we don't like authority. Sometimes we don't like people telling us what to do. Sometimes we don't like this and we don't like that. And so there's things that can harden up our heart, mind, and thoughts. And without realizing it, sometimes it's like the writer of Hebrews says, Wallow today, be careful, warn each other, because sin can make your heart hard. And I think this story with these brothers, how could they look at their brother in anguish? How could they look at their brother in desperation? How could they look at a 17-year-old who's crying and begging for his life? And how could they ignore his plea? Because their heart was hard. Their heart was hard. You know, as the story continues on, and again, it's such a crazy story, they go back and forth. Joseph releases them out of prison, but he keeps one brother. He says he's going to keep them all and send one home. He decides to keep one, and then he sent the other ones home. But he said, you cannot come by grain again unless you bring your younger brother, Benjamin, which was his full brother, right? And so they get home, and they tell their dad everything that happened and everything that this man said, and he was crazy. And Joseph even gave them all their money back. They came there with silver, and they bought grain, and they bought all this stuff so that they could feed their families. And when they got home, they realized they had all the money that they had used to purchase the grain. It was all with them. And so as time goes on, they didn't send the family back right away. It says they finished all the grain that they had. And as they started to get hungry again, turn to your neighbor and say, are you hungry? Hopefully not yet, because we got a little bit more time. The dad says, you know what? He finally gives in and says, okay, go back. But you know what he does, because he's so sweet? He says, we're going to take this man, this mean man over there in Egypt, we're going to take him the very best of our land. We're going to take honey and gum, pistachio and almonds. And as I read in this story, it's funny because you're, I'm thinking, why would they need grain? They've got pistachio and almonds. You can ground that stuff up and you can do all kinds of stuff with that, right? Why do you have to go to Egypt and buy grain? If he has gum, I mean, you could live on gum, right? Couldn't we just live on, if you put a little, you know, red food coloring in there and get some sugar in there, I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? Couldn't we, on honey, gum, pistachio, and almonds? There's got to be something we can make from that. But it wasn't enough. No matter how many good things that, that Jacob and his family had, the very best of the land, it wasn't enough for them. And so he said, we have to go buy, we have to go back and we have to buy grain. And so he sends them and he sends them with the very, very best. And you know the other thing that it does, it speaks of his integrity. Jacob was given all the money back that he gave to buy grain the first time. This time, he doubled it, and he said, there has to be a mistake. I'm going to give all this man's money back. It has to be a mistake. And it makes me wonder how many times, you know, I've gone through, like, a drive through and they give me four burritos when I bought two. Sometimes my customers, I'll go and pick up food for them when I'm not supposed to, and I'll buy products, and sometimes I've been given extra cash, and it's like, uh, you gave me, you know, three bucks extra. And I'll give it back. 
There's times where I've been into Walmart and accidentally not paid for something. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Usually I put water bottles on the bottom, and so it's happened at least four times where I'll walk out and I'll forget to pay for my water bottles. Just happened last Sunday. It's like, oh. And at that moment, you ask yourself, is the extra a blessing from God or is the extra a test to do what's right in this moment? For Jacob in this situation, it shows the integrity that he had because he gave the money back to Joseph and then extra because he wanted to buy grain. He wasn't going to keep what in his mind did not belong to him. And so sometimes, you know, integrity, you think about integrity and what integrity is. It's the question is how we think, how we feel when nobody's watching. How we think, how we feel, our character, how it speaks of us when absolutely nobody is watching. We know that Proverbs 18, 16 says, giving a gift can open doors and it can give access to great people. The integrity, the integrity, which speaks of our character and who we are. Proverbs 10, 9 says, people with integrity, they walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Proverbs eleven twenty, the Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. Proverbs 27, the godly walk with integrity, and blessed are the children who follow after them. Jacob in this story shows that he was a man of integrity. I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to keep what doesn't belong to me. I gave this away. I purchased this. I'm not going to keep what doesn't belong to me. My entire person, the truth, without blemish, complete, sincere, and undefiled, I'm going to be a man of high standards. And so the question is, what do we do when no one's watching? The overage, is it a blessing or is it a test from God to with, what he, with what's given to us? And I asked myself in the story, why grain? Why, did, why was grain such a big deal? Why did they have to leave their homeland? Why did they have to do so many trips? Why was it about, what was it about grain? For them, grain at this time was everything. They used grain in everything. It was important everywhere they when everything that they did, everything that they consumed in their bodies, they used grain. They liked grain. Grain was everywhere. It was their super ingredient. Turn your neighbor and say the super ingredient. And ask myself as I'm reading this and I'm saying why grain, I'm also saying why Jesus. Because as I look at this story and I look at uh, the life of Jacob, they had everything but grain and it wasn't enough. And for people in our world today, they have so many things in the world, but they don't have Jesus. They have so many things. There's nice cars, nice houses. There's food on the table. And, and just like Jacob and his family, what did they have to do because they didn't have grain? They had to go searching for something. And many people today are still searching for Jesus, and they have no idea they're searching for Jesus. Jesus Christ alone. It's like we sang this morning. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's nothing that can make a person whole. There is nothing that can save and satisfy and deliver except for the blood of Jesus Christ. In this story, there's a man named Judah, one of Joseph's brothers, and we see that for, for Judah, he had a massive change in his heart, in his mind, in his soul. We know that in the beginning, he was one of the ones who said, yeah, let's, let's get rid of this boy. But at this point in the story, 21 years, it did him some good. Turn your neighbor and say, it did him some good. Because you know what he did as he's sitting in front of Joseph? He said, listen, you could take all of us brothers except for Benjamin. I'm not going to do the same thing to my dad twice. 
After 21 years, he goes, we're not going to make the same mistake twice. I've learned my lesson. After 21 years, probably how many bad thoughts and regrets have happened through those 21 years? How much guilt had this man carried in 21 years? Judah, out of all the brothers, you know what he did? He started to step up, and he started to be a vocal voice for the family. And you know what he was doing? Judah started taking charge of doing what is right and saying what is right. I will be responsible. He goes to his dad, and he says, Dad, we need grain, but I will tell you, I will be responsible. I will give my life. I will give my family. I give my own life. I give every single thing that I have. Dad, trust me. Judah stepped up in this moment. Why? Because 21 years did him good. He learned something valuable over the 21-year period. He learned something incredible for himself. I need to do what is right. Even though I've done plenty wrong in my life. I need to start by doing what is right. And, and Judah, in this moment, he used that moment to do what is right. You know, for all of us in here over the years as we look back, can we say to ourselves, have we like been like Judah? Have I been becoming more faithful? Have I become a more giving person? Have I become a more godly person? Have I become someone who has a great, strong character? Have I become more wise? Have I become more powerful as a Christian? Over the years, has the years been good to me? Have they been good to me? Have they led me to be a better man, a better person? Have the years, have I used years, have I used years? time? Have I used every second, every minute, every hour, every week, every year? Have I used what I have in front of me to become a better person? Where's the growth in our life? For all of us in here, we all grow in different areas at different times. There's every single one of us, we grow in different areas. And how many of us know we, we grow in the areas, honestly, what's important to us in the moment? Right? We spend and we put the amount of time that becomes important to us in the moment that we live. And is your personal growth as a believer, as a godly man, as a godly woman, is that a priority in your life? Is it a priority in your thought? Is it a priority for the future to become more godly, to have better character, to be more faithful, to be more giving? And how many of us in here, we couldn't think of one area of our life where we say, this is where God wants me to grow. This is where God needs me to get better. How many of us, we couldn't take a step back this morning and say that I'm not perfect. And I, maybe I have more than one area in my life where I need to grow. I need to get better at this. I need to be better here. Because before you know it, we're going to blink and life is going to be over. Life is going quickly. And that's a good thought, right? Life is moving fast. But one of the greatest things that we have to ask ourselves over the years, am I using my time wisely to become better? Have I righted the wrongs that I did? How many of us have ever done anything wrong in life? How many of us have made mistakes that we have paid for and the guilt and the regret that have lingered in our brain for years? And how many things have we done right to try and get and try to erase that wrong of all those things that we did that we wish that we can take back? One of the greatest things that we do and we learn to do is love. You know, 1 John 4.15 says this, 
All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment because we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And it shows that we've not fully experienced God's perfect love. We love each other because he loved us. Love is one of the greatest things that gets tested every single day. Love. And it's not just the kind of love that we think in our brain. You know, people today, they're seeking love all over the world. All over the world, everywhere you go, people are seeking love. And they're not only just seeking love, it's the love that they think that they need. Right? People are seeking and looking for love all over this planet. Everywhere you go and everything you do, what are people looking for? They're looking for love. They're looking for love. There's people who stay up late at night. They're looking for love. They're looking for attention. There's people who are searching and they're driving and they're going from here to there and here to there. Why? Because they're looking for love. You're never going to fully get love unless you start to fully get God. And how we treat one another shows if you get his love. We love each other because he first loved us. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Our love, how many of us know that our love is tested every single day? Do you love for what you get or do you love for what you give? God came, and it says, what did John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God so loved the world, so what did he do? He gave. God so loved the world, so what did he do? He gave. And then for every relationship and for every communication that we have as people, when we are in communication to get, we're not loving. It's not love. Love is what? Love is giving. And how many of us see all around our world today, what is being tested as Christians? Do we love people who bother us? Do we love the people on TV and all the bad things that are happening all over the world, all the wars that are going on, all the people that are being killed, all the things that are happening every single day, all the kids that are being molested, all the people who are being raped. There are horrible things happening every second. All the abortions that are going on. There are so many things happening in our world today. And all of it comes back to in our hearts, am I choosing love? Am I choosing love? Because it's love that is the greatest reflector. What is the greatest reflector of God? Love. How do you love? Are we perfect? Absolutely not, right? And we can fail every single day at this. And this morning, as we start to wrap up, one of the, the verses that I wanted to use as we start to wrap up and kind of pull this whole story together, and my title again was Spare Chains. If we were to back up just a little bit in this story, Genesis chapter 41, verse 50 and 52, it says, During this time before the famine, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles. He named his first son, and he said, God has made me forget 
all my troubles, everyone in my father's family. He named his second son, and he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. There's two things that Joseph did right before the famine hit. And you know what he did? He had two sons. And he didn't name his sons based on the sun, the moon, the storm, stars. He didn't, he didn't name his sons for the moment and the feeling and where he was when he got his wife pregnant. You know what he named his sons? He named his sons two things. And those two things, you know what they were for him? They were pillars and they were reminders. Turn to your name and say they were pillars and they were reminders. And the first pillar, God has made me forget. God has helped me to forget all the trouble that I had with my family. My very first son, every time I look at him, it's going to make me remember I have moved on. All the people who hurt me, all the people who've done me wrong. His very first son, every time he looks at him, holds him, kisses him, and throws a ball and plays catch and football with him, it reminds him and is a pillar to forget everybody who did him wrong. And then his second son, every time he sees his second son, it reminds him that God has blessed him in the land where he suffered. He suffered for 13 years. He worked hard for 13 years. And so as he sees his sons, they're pillars and they're reminders to forget and to remember God who has made him fruitful to guard my heart, to guard my mind, to guard my life. And so today, what do we walk away with? You know, life throws us tests. We saw that, that Joseph in this story, he threw his brothers some tests. And the question was, have my brothers become more godly or are they continuing to do wrong? Does God throw us tests in life to see, are we growing spiritually? Are we becoming more faithful? Have I learned to not make the same mistake twice? How many of us have made that same mistake twice? In the story we see, it's better choosing to give and choosing to have integrity like Jacob, like Joseph's father. Bad choices that have bad consequences, so let's choose good. Judah in this story, he became a man who took responsibility. Turn to your neighbor and say responsibility. And he was willing to be the only prisoner so that his younger brother Benjamin can go home. Joseph, you can lock me up. Lock me up. Take my life. I will spend the rest of my life in prison. I will make the sacrifice for myself, for my family. I will give up all that I have, but let my brothers go. Let Benjamin go. Judah became this man who he was not going to make the same mistake twice. He was going to make sure that everything was right. Have we ever had that type of heart like Judah where I am willing to give and to sacrifice so that I can better someone else's life? My title this morning was, What Spare Change? And I'm the type of person, as I'm gathering up some more change here, I'm the type of person, I really don't like change. I really don't like change. And I, to be honest, I don't like cash. I don't like carrying cash. I don't like carrying change because the, uh, <laughs> because it seems like when I have cash, it just disappears, right? Unfortunately, when I use plastic, I can track everything, right? So when I use my, my debit card, I can track absolutely everything. But sometimes when you have cash, it just seems like it like, grows wings and flies away, you know? One day it's in your, in your wallet and it seems like it's just like full and the next day it's like gone. Maybe they have little rats come in to steal my, my, my dollar bills at night, right? 
So I don't like carrying change. And I don't like carrying cash. I still do once in a while. I, I have this change that I've thrown on the ground and I have left here in my car for those moments where I'm gonna buy something and I do have cash, which is very rare. And the other thing I hate about when I have money and cash is I don't wanna go in and pay for something and it's like 485 and then get 15 cents back. I don't want more change, right? And I guess you could leave, the, leave it as a tip or something, but I'd rather have the exact amount so that we don't have to get any more change. $4.99, I don't want the penny. $5.25, I don't want 75 cents. That just means I have to take something back, right? It just seems like a hassle, right? So I'd rather buy something and have the exact amount. My title this morning is called Spare Change. All over the world today, we have people, and they're asking you, do you have spare change? All around our world today, there's people that are saying for a minute, can you spare a second? You know, it's funny, last Sunday I'm in Walmart, and, you know, it really makes you hard after church on Sunday to be good, right? So I leave here, I go to Walmart, I go shopping, and as after I check out, there's a young man, and he stops me, he goes, hey, do you have a minute? I'm like, okay, sure. And instantly you're thinking, he's asking for what? He's asking for spare change. He goes, I don't have my wallet. Can I send you some money, cash at Venmo? and then you buy the three things that I have here. I'm like, all right, sure. He goes, really? He goes, I've been standing here for 30 minutes. I've asked 20 people, and every one of them had told me no. I'm like, you caught me at the right moment. It's church, Sunday, I know I should be extra good right now, so I'm saying yes. But he was shocked out of his mind. You know how many people in our lives are shocked when you actually do the right thing, because I know for myself, I do the wrong thing sometimes, and I'm saying bad things, sometimes we just have bad actions, sometimes we can get angry, sometimes we can get mean, sometimes we can say the wrong thing, we can do the wrong thing. There's people in our lives waiting for the right moment at the right time. Can you spare some change? Can you spare a minute? Can you spare a second? Now sometimes we look at spare change, and some of us, we don't value the spare change that we have. Just like the moments in our life, we don't value the spare moments that we have in our life. And we neglect God, the greatest, the greatest, absolute greatest in the whole entire world and planet. God who created the heavens and the earth. And it's almost like sometimes we view God as that person asking us, got some spare change. Because we don't value the time that we should give to him because we don't value time that we should take to pray and read our Bible. And I'm telling you, reading, praying is, oops, important. It is. And if anyone ever tells you it's not a big deal to not pray every day, smack them in the face. It's a lie. It is an absolute lie. Praying is a big deal because you know what you're doing? You're communicating with the God who gives you life. God actually brought you in, and God can take you out. I don't know if you're a fan of Cosby Show, and, and a lot of us have changed our feelings, but he used to say, hey, I brought you into this place, I can take you out. It's actually God. God really brought you in here, and God can take you out at any second. And sometimes we don't value the spare change that we have in our life. We don't value the spare moments that we have in our life. We don't value the spare seconds that we have in our life because you know what we do for all of us? And it's, it's true for all of us. 
We spend it on what's important to us. And if we're not spending any time with our creator, and if we don't spend any time with our savior, what does that say about how much we value him? I'm not here to judge you. You're not here to judge me. We're here to encourage one another. If you have spare change, if you have spare moments, give them to the God who gives you life. And lastly, with my spare change, when I get asked for spare change, someone is asking, do I have any extra? Do I have any extra? Is there anything extra in your life that you could give to me? And so this morning, as we look at spare change, really at the end of the day, in this story today, and everything that is in this story and everything that it speaks is this. Have we left any spare room for change in our life like the brothers as Joseph in this story? And today in this part, what did he do? He tested them to see if 21 years were good to them, changed them, help them to become better. Make sure you leave room in your days, in your moments, to allow God, leave room so that there is change. Because which one of us doesn't need to change? There's gotta be, I'm sure, in, in other churches, other people, areas of their life they need to change. And we could spend our day talking about how everyone else needs to change. Or we can simply come before God and say, God, Am I leaving room for change in my life? Am I leaving room for change in my life? Do you spare change? Do you spare the room to leave change for you inside of you? Praying, I'm telling you, there are times where I can be, uh, once in a while it happens, I'm being nasty to my, my wife or my kids, and I can you know, go off to work and I'll be praying, and then I feel horrible, and then I feel mean, you know, so then I have to text and I have to apologize and say sorry. Because sometimes we can just quickly get angry about something, right? How many of us, we can quickly get angry. But the minute I'm in prayer, the minute I start praying, God convicts me, leading me back to correct my attitude. I have to spend that time. I have to make sure I leave that room, that time, those moments, so that things get corrected and changed in my life. Leaving room for change. Let's pray.